Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. To Locked on Bucks, I'm your host Kane Pittman here, uh, still basking in the glory of a very enjoyable Milwaukee win yesterday over the LA Clippers. If you missed that post-game pod, it was a fun one. It was also a bit of a long one with Frank Madden. Probably no surprise when we get together. Generally, the podcasts go uh, a little bit longer there, but that was fun. So again, if you missed the post-game, go back and check that out. But uh, the Bucks, 21 and 13, they are within a game or maybe a game and a half depending on the results tonight of the top seed in the East and uh, quite remarkable the turnaround in probably just the feeling around the franchise for mine in the last week. I mean, for those that listen to this podcast on a daily basis, you'll know that uh, I'm generally pretty calm. I don't get too worked up. So I wasn't exactly feeling too much tension around this team, but it certainly was there as uh, I guess the pressure started to ramp up a little bit, but now Giannis is back playing at an MVP level, as he has for the majority of February. Drew Holiday is back in the lineup, and everything is looking good. Uh, Nuggets on tap tomorrow. Uh, We did discuss the possibility that uh, Denver maybe might be in some trouble, certainly trying to get the appropriate active players uh, for this game because uh, there has been health and safety protocol uh, issues with that team here in the last few days. They are playing right now, as I'm recording this, against the Bulls. So uh, that probably bodes well for this game to go ahead tomorrow. Uh, you know, fingers crossed, knock on wood, nothing else comes up here in the next 24 hours. But they're certainly shorthanded. And on a back-to-back, it's a game that the Bucks will like to keep it just rolling. Pick up that win number six. Uh, tonight, as far as the Nuggets go against the Bulls, uh, Campazzo is out with the health and safety protocols, as is RJ Hampton, as is a familiar face for Wisconsin sports fans, Marcus Howard as well, but that's not where it ends because Jermichael Green, a player that we discussed as would have been a nice addition to this roster in the offseason, he's out with a left shoulder sprain. Gary Harris is out with a left adductor strain, and Paul Millsap is out with a left knee strain. So we'll wait and see if any of those players are back and are able to play tomorrow, but certainly looks like the Nuggets are going to be shorthanded on a back-to-back. And uh, look, the Bucks have had some uh, luck this season in terms of player availability on uh, different teams, and uh, you just got to take advantage of that. So the Bucks will be looking to go nine games above 500 with a win there. One thing I wanted to touch on, and I'm going to get to some of the listener Likes and dislikes, you guys have hit me up on Twitter at Kane Pittman with some good stuff this week to go through. It's been a few weeks since I've been able to do this uh, with some of the other work commitments that I've had. But before I get to that, I do just want to talk about a few things that I noticed on Twitter probably since the win over the last 12, 24 hours here. And one of them, it was kind of fascinating how this happened and how this started getting shared around. But there is this video clip going around of Drew Holiday in the post game where 
he basically describes the read that he saw on that final play where Giannis ends up getting the dunk and uh, really the dagger dunk, I guess, if that's what you want to call it. And it's kind of funny to me because you'll hear Frank and myself talk about this a lot when it comes to uh, plays that the Bucks will run. It's never just, well, this is one option we have and this is the play that we're running and nothing else can possibly come out of this. There is a series of options that the Bucks can go to. And if you look at the play that the Bucks ran on that final uh, possession there from the sideline out of bounds, uh, Frank mentioned this yesterday. He called it an Iverson cut from Chris Middleton. And I, I just thought that it I'm not sure whether everyone you know, is familiar with the term Iverson cut. So if we do mention terms like this in the podcast, certainly feel free to hit us up on Twitter and we can have a bit of an explanation. But if you go back and watch the play, the Iverson cut that was described by Frank is basically Chris Middleton. You'll see him standing at the elbow with Giannis. Drew Holiday breaks free to receive the inbounds pass. And Chris Middleton curls around Giannis and makes a cut essentially from sideline to sideline and ends up on the opposite wing. That move right there is what is called an Iverson cut when you use sort of a big player as a, as a screener and you try to free yourself up. So that's the first action that we see on this play. Chris Milton may have been able to receive the ball there. Once you look at this and if you see what I'm talking about, if you go back and watch, you'll understand and start to notice that the Bucs actually run this set quite frequently. And you'll see it time and time again through the game. A lot of the times, Chris Middleton will be the guy that will receive the ball there. And that would have been the first option that the Bucks had, that Drew Holiday had. But Paul George played Chris Middleton really tight in that situation. So there would be an option for Chris Middleton to receive the ball on the perimeter. There'd be also an option for another screen to be set and Chris Middleton can cut to the basket. These are all different options that the Bucks can run and have run with that play throughout the season so far. That didn't eventuate because the Clippers played Chris Middleton tight. So then it turns into an elbow set for Giannis, where if you listen to Giannis in the post game, he says that they thought that that might be an option because the Clippers were playing him one-on-one. And again, to me, this is another benefit of the Bucs having three legitimate threats on the floor in the half court in a closing situation. So the Clippers were clearly worried about Chris Middleton. They're clearly worried about Drew Holiday. This results in a one-on-one for Giannis. Now, this is where the Drew Holiday uh, comments have been highlighted as Drew drawing up the play or Drew coming up with the play. And it's not really the case. It's just Drew Holiday is doing what point guards do in the NBA. He's reading the play, reading the options, reading the defense and making a decision. So this is not to discredit Drew Holiday for the decision he made to cut to the basket, use Giannis, as a basically almost a screener with the ball in hand, find a bit of uh, freedom and understanding that the Clippers were going to stick to Giannis defensively. So a really smart read by Drew. He was exactly right in what he said, that he thought if he could get his defender, Pat Beverly, behind him, then he would be able to find some, some free space for potentially a layup. Or in his words, it would be able to start some action, which it did with the ball swing, with the Clippers then getting in rotation and we know how it all ended up with Giannis but I just thought it was it was worth pointing out that (laughs) I I just feel that at at this point in time anyone will do whatever they can and not everyone but there was a section of people that would do whatever they can to try and and take any credit away that Bud would get for drawing up a nice set and this is a beautiful set for the Bucks to run but there's plenty of options as there is on that end of game play that we always see Chris Middleton 
received the ball in the corner. And there was a variation of that against Phoenix where Giannis ended, the ball, ended up with the ball at the top and shot that mid-range jumper that eventually missed. This is the case with all plays. Drew Holiday's comments, fine. He made the reads. That's what he does. And that's what these guys do all the time. Uh, I just think, come on, we, we, we don't have to get to the point where it's impossible for us to give any credit to Bud. Uh, Drew didn't draw up that play or come up with the play. He made an excellent read based on what he had seen throughout the game, based on what he believed that the Clippers were going to do. And that's what you get when you've got an extremely smart uh, point guard like the Bucks do have a high IQ guard that uh, honestly doesn't crack under pressure. So uh, just a bit of background there to what the Bucks were trying to run and some of the things that you'll see towards the end of a game. So uh, well executed by everyone, by everyone on that play. Well drawn up by Bud, uh, well read by Drew Holiday. Pat Connaughton gets credit for making the extra pass, as does Chris Middleton for drawing Pat, Pat Bev and then finding Giannis in motion heading to the basket. All round, uh, just beautiful stuff from the Bucks, And that's what we love to see, particularly executing down the stretch. I would say in previous seasons, it hasn't exactly been a strength of Milwaukee. So I love that. I loved it all around for everyone, and I think everyone deserves uh, a little bit of credit for that. The Drew Holiday thing, you know, we discussed him coming back from, the, from testing positive to COVID and his performance on the court yesterday. But again, his ability to make that play, to me, lines up with everything that we've seen from him so far this season. And another reason why I just feel so damn positive about his place on this team in the postseason. Because when I think about the best games that Drew Holiday has played this season, I think that they have come against the best teams. And last night overall, perhaps not his best game, but he made clutch plays down the stretch, which is what you want to see from one of your top guys. He hit that clutch three against Boston on opening night. They didn't win the game, but he wanted the ball in his hands. He made the play against the Brooklyn Nets. He also was absolutely outstanding. Again, the Bucs didn't win, but I think that that, is another reason for optimism if you're a Bucks fan when you look at Drew Holiday. He's stepping up. He's stepping up in the big games. He wants that pressure. He wants the ball in his hands. And more than anything, he's just smart. And he makes the right decisions as he did last night. So shout out to Drew Holiday. I, I know all Bucks fans love him on this team. And it is worth noting that he is extension eligible now. So there hasn't been a lot of news uh, regarding that to this point. But uh, we'll wait and see what comes of that. All right, I want to get to a couple more topics here as the show rolls on, including Brooke Lopez and Daikite. We haven't spoken about him a lot on this podcast, but he's certainly generating a lot of buzz. But before we do that, let's talk about Theragun. Don't let the stress of daily life weigh on your body, whether you're an elite athlete or someone like me just trying to make it through the day tension-free. Theragun can help. And yes, that is difficult for me to accept that I'm not an elite athlete, but uh, look, at the age of 30, here we are. Theragun is a handheld percussive therapy device that releases your deepest muscle tension using scientifically calibrated combo of depth, speed, and power, and it's as quiet as an electric toothbrush. The Gen 4 Theragun doesn't just feel good, it gets to the source of the pain by releasing tension using Theragun's signature percussive therapy, which goes 60% deeper than vibration alone. Whether you want to treat your muscle tension from working out, an injury, or just the stresses of everyday life, there's no substitute for Theragun Gen 4. The OLED screen and design makes you feel like you're holding something from the future. Just go to their site and check it out. And the Theragun app learns from your behaviors and suggests guided routines. Try Theragun for 30 days, starting at only $194. Go to theragun.com slash locked on right now 
to get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's theragun.com slash locked on, theragun.com slash locked on. Well, after you've done that, while you're looking up websites, you can just jump on rockauto.com, which is the family business serving auto parts customers for 20 plus years. They can really help you out with any auto needs you have, whether it's tail lamps, carpet, motor oil, brake parts, whatever it is, they've got it there. And the best thing about it is that it is super easy to navigate on their website. Uh, The prices are always reliably low and the same for the professionals as they are for the do-it-yourselfers. So why would you even bother spending twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Just write Locked On in the How Did You Hear About Us box and they will know we sent you. That's Locked On in the How Did You Hear About Us box. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. We're covering everything you need to know about the Milwaukee Bucks, but what about the rest of sports? Now, the Locked On Podcast Network has you covered there as well with Locked On Today. It's hosted by the great Peter Bukowski, and it's all the sports news you need every morning in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to the Locked On Today podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, I was on the show today. As you listen to that, you'll hear me talking about the Bucks and Clippers a little bit there as well. So, yeah. I mean, I, I just couldn't get enough of it yesterday. I guess I was just willing to talk about the Bucks uh, no matter what. But let's move on to Brooke Lopez. Uh, I, listen, anyone that is on Twitter or probably the message boards or whatever is probably getting the sense that there is some growing belief that Brooke Lopez, I, I guess, has become this ineffective player. And I, I got to push back on that. You guys have heard me say this a number of times through the season so far, but I I just don't really understand where all this frustration or negativity towards Brook Lopez came from. I mentioned some of the numbers on yesterday's pod, but as far as the starting lineup goes so far this season, the Bucks' defensive rating with the starting five is at 104, which is obviously very, very good. It's a little bit higher than where it was last season, but generally uh, teams are scoring more this year. I mean, this is... This is where we're at. I, I, the days of having a starting lineup where your, your defensive rating is in the 90s is going to be pretty rare. And this is you know, a team that has been trying different things, putting guys like Brook Lopez in different positions on the floor, which quite frankly, don't exactly maximize what he's able to do. But I thought the last two games in particular, the Pelicans game and also the game against the Clippers, were two of the best we've seen from Brook all season long. He's getting put in situations where, yeah, it's difficult to defend and teams are going to try and take advantage of him. But to think that he doesn't have any value to this team or he's someone that you should trade away, I think that that would be a decision that you would really regret by the time you got to the postseason. We've seen the Bucks. Late in games, including last night when they held the Clippers for the final four minutes without scoring, go away from Brook Lopez, and that's totally fine. I mean, that that's that to me is not a knock on Brook Lopez, but that's the Bucks being versatile. That's Bud not needing to have Brook Lopez on the floor at all minutes and recognizing certain matchups. But there is going to be times where you need that big center, and Brook Lopez, honestly, this season has been still pretty damn good. If you look at the five, the five uh, sorry, if you look at the six players across the league that have defended at least 250 field goal attempts from within six feet, there is only six players that have done that. Joel Embiid, Brook Lopez, Clint Capella, Rudy Gobert, Jared Allen, and Miles Turner. Brook Lopez really 
his defensive field goal percentage is very comparable to all those guys. It's better than Joel Embiid. It's within a percent of Clint Capella. It's within 1.5% of Rudy Gobert. And then you have Jared Allen and Miles Turner that uh, at around 46%. So Brook is at 50. It's not quite the 43% that it was at last season or thereabouts, which was obviously an incredibly elite level. But the Bucks were playing defense differently in that stage. And honestly, I, saw, I was watching the game yesterday. And when the Bucks were playing drop coverage with Brook Lopez, to me, it's not about Brook Lopez losing a step or Brook Lopez not being a strong defensive player anymore or being washed, as I keep on seeing getting thrown out there. To me, what it identifies is the fact that the Bucks lost an elite, elite, elite player when it comes to getting over the screens in Eric Bledsoe. Because what you're seeing so far this season is that even when Brook Lopez is playing the drop coverage, the pressure from behind on that guard or on that ball handler coming into the paint is just not there because you don't have Eric Bledsoe getting over that screen and really having his presence felt on that player. So then it becomes Brook Lopez kind of backpedaling in the paint, but it's an open floater. And these are really tough shots to make. Generally, if you go around the league and talk to coaches, they, they say that they don't necessarily like the floater. But at the same time, if it's a walk down the lane casual shot, then it's going to be easy to, to execute or easier to execute. So to me, I, I think that this is more about the Bucks have lost defensive personnel and it doesn't quite maximize Brook Lopez in the way that it did last season. But overall, the starters have still been very strong defensively. I see Brook Lopez having an impact offensively. And from time to time, I, I get questions, well, should the Bucks post up Brook a little bit more? Should they go to him offensively? I just don't really care about that. Like perhaps they could. But he is shooting the three at a pretty high percentage this year. He's up around 35%, which is what we wanted to see from him after a down year last year. There will be times when probably Giannis is off the floor where they'll, we will see the Bucks go to Brook, and they've done that a couple of times this year. And he's proven still that he can be an effective player on that end. I just think that we need to temper the expectations of what we, what we want from Brook. I mean, I saw some comments and... Yeah, regarding him missing a couple of rebounds yesterday or perhaps not hustling to the rebound as quick as you would like to see. Well, you know, I mean, if we want to highlight players that have plays like that, we could probably do that every game. And I just think, again, this is the, the sort of uh, the, the, the mentality of trying to find the negatives with Brook Lopez. I just don't really see an option of what you would do. You, if you trade Brook Lopez, you're not getting a guy in that is going to play the center role with the same effectiveness. He's not going to have the same size. You're not going to be able to do that. And if you trade away Brook Lopez for a guard, then I think that you are seriously, seriously depleting the big man stock. So do I think that Brook Lopez is going to be with the Bucks for the length of his contract and be an effective player? I think that that's a stretch because he still has multiple seasons in front of him. But for this season, I'm not really buying that the Bucks should trade Brook or would be able to actually improve their roster from a championship credential standpoint by trading him you know has he been as effective as he was last year defensively no has he been horrific no I do think that it has been seriously overblown and I think the Bucks as a unit are going to continue to improve defensively and once again who cares if Brook Lopez isn't the in the starting lineup last year I think you would have had concerns that Bud wasn't going to take Brook out of the game and there was this stubbornness that he was going to be the closer no matter what I think we've already seen that that's not going to be the case this year. So for me, start Brook. You're going to need him in some matchups. You're definitely going to need him if you play Philadelphia and, and Joel Embiid. 
there's a number of other teams where he will be used, the Nets with uh, DeAndre Jordan, for instance. But if teams go small, fine. Run Bobby Portis and Giannis out there and, and you're going to be happy with the results there. So I just honestly think the whole Brook Lopez uh, negativity has gone too far. I think that he's actually playing some of the best basketball he's played all season this year. Yeah, does he look slow at times? Of course he does. He's a humongous human. He's always looked slow. And I think we're kidding ourselves if we don't acknowledge that. As far as our G League friend uh, down with the Lakeland Magic, Diakite, goes, I don't know how many of the listeners are familiar with what he's been doing down there, but I would imagine that a lot of you are. And a big reason for that would be for our guy, Jake Reitz, who continues to do highlights uh, on on the uh, the Twitter machine there, which we all love because, you know, quite frankly, I, I think a lot of fans probably don't have time uh, to be watching all these G League games. So he's doing an outstanding job. I will say this, though. i got to call you out, Jake. I saw a tweet that came across my timeline yesterday that said almost an incredible block from Diakite. If... If you ever want to know when the hype machine has gone too far on a guy, it's when you start posting almost highlights. So <laughs> I, was, I was just laughing at this. So, of course, I, I say that uh, in, in the most friendly way possible. Jake is killing it. But the almost incredible block from Diakito was hilarious to me. Uh, but he's been fantastic. He's averaging 18 points, 10 rebounds. Uh, he's explosive. He's a rim protector. He rolls to the basket hard. He throws the ball down. He's got good hands. He really is a player that is super intriguing to me and someone that I think all Bucks fans probably just have a little bit of PTSD over when you think about what Christian Wood was doing in the G League a couple of seasons ago, and he really slipped through the cracks. Uh, not with the Bucks, not just with the Bucks, I should say, but with other teams as well, including Detroit and also the Pelicans, who had him right after the Bucks and let him go as well. So... I understand why the hype is there. Do I think that Diakito would come into this team and be an impact player this year? Um, probably not. And I don't really see that there is a spot in the rotation for him. But I do think that it is important that the Bucks ensure that he is not let go. And I think there's a number of options that you could probably run through. And the fact that the Bucks are hard capped does make it difficult. But I would certainly be interested in seeing him get some time this year with the Bucks and just see what he's got. And who knows? Who knows what you could find with an athletic guy that could potentially play in in lineups with Giannis. Who knows? I don't think that it's going to happen, but I think more than anything, I I think it would be smart move for the Bucs to ensure that this guy doesn't get picked up by another team uh, being a two-way player. So Frank has discussed the possibility of Milwaukee potentially trading DJ Wilson essentially in a move that would get the Bucs under the tax. We know they're going to be able to add a player later on. I think that for the most part, most fans would love to see the Bucks pick up a veteran that is going to be impactful in the playoffs. But maybe also you guarantee Diakite and get him on the roster. Who knows? That's certainly a thought that you could have. But I'll say this. He's an exciting player. Uh, I really, really enjoy watching him play. I haven't seen every G League game, but every time I get a chance to sit down and watch him, uh, it's a thrill. Uh, vainly he was playing for the Wisconsin Herd. That is the only thing that we wish that was going on. But yeah, he's been fantastic. And I do recommend... Uh, if you haven't caught up with this, try and catch some of those highlights there on Twitter because it's it's awesome. I mean, this guy is is a highlight real player, uh, which has been a hell of a lot of fun uh, to watch so far this season. Uh, before I roll on to the last segment here, uh, let's talk about betonline.ag. 
It is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action because football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. Which, by the way, I don't know if there was odds on where J.J. Watt was going to go this offseason, but I feel like the Cardinals, if you had some money on the Cardinals, you might have been winning a fair bit of money there. That was a truly a shocker uh, there with J.J. Watt uh, going to meet up with my guy, uh, D. Hopkins, down there in Arizona. But, but anyway... BetOnline.ag has real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it is free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Kate Cunningham, Evan Mobley, Jalen Suggs. How much do you really know about these potential NBA stars of tomorrow? If you want to know more, you need to subscribe to the Locked On NBA Draft podcast. Prospect scouting, scouting reports, draft rumors, mock drafts, and full coverage of March Madness four days a week from credentialed draft experts. Subscribe today and follow Locked On NBA Draft. Now, I wanted to get into a few of the listener questions here. We've got some good ones or really just observations, which I love more than anything. It's good to get a sense for how the listenership is feeling. What are they liking? What are they still a little bit concerned about? Uh, One of the, uh, and I will say this, Dylan Pascal uh, did write in and he did mention the DJ Wilson uh, trade or situation that uh, Frank has brought up and then he brings up Diakite there just with the numbers. So the exact numbers, he's actually got him here. So shout out to Dylan for this. 18.3 points, 10.2 rebounds, 2.3 assists, 2.3 blocks in 27 minutes. He's 58% from the field, 50% from three, uh, and 76% from the line in 11 games. So yeah, I mean, ridiculous numbers there from Diakite. He looks fantastic. But Puppet Wango brings up an interesting point here. Would DJ and Sam be getting playing time if they were on a team like the Wolves? Just too much talent or no trust from Bud on these young guys? Uh, listen, uh, you know, we all get excited, and this is the same for Diakite and Merrill and uh, Warrer as well. Uh, we, I've brought this up a few times, but I think Bucks fans in general get very, very excited any time that there is a young player with some potential because... Overall, the Bucks just haven't had too many young, exciting, developmental prospects to enjoy and to see grow and to see come into the team and become important role players. Dante DiVincenzo is one right now that is still uh, rising, I guess, if, if that's the word you want to use. But some of the other guys that we hoped would work out just haven't been able to get there. Giannis is obviously, I mean, you will never have a, a bigger success story than that. But outside of that, the Bucks haven't exactly had a lot of young guys that the fans have been able to get behind. So I understand why there is a thirst, I, I guess, if you want to call it that, to see these young guys get minutes. And I certainly enjoy it. Like, I, I can't deny that when Sam Merrill got minutes the other night, in legitimate second quarter minutes, I was pumped. I was excited to see him out there and play. I was also feeling the same way when Jordan Warrior got those early rotation minutes earlier in the season. But I will say this, I think the one thing that we saw when both of those guys got those minutes that they've got a lot of development 
And it's different when you come in and you're banging away threes in garbage time late in the game. But when you're going up against the starters, the opposition starting caliber players and the games on the line, it's just a little bit different. And I think, honestly, when we look at where those two guys in particular were drafted, 45 and 60, and then also Diakite is a two-way player, I mean, I think if you have expectations that they could come into this team and be true difference makers, then I think you probably your expectations are probably just a little bit too high for what they would actually be able to bring to the team. I think that it's important to keep these guys around, though, particularly when you look at the cap situation that the Bucks have. They're going to need these cheap contracts. They are clearly guys that I'm excited about. I think they all have talent and they all look like they can be impact players in the NBA. Yeah, I think if they were playing on bad teams, they would be playing for sure. And this is one of the challenges when you're a contending team. And we all know this because we looked at how everyone was reacting to the Bucks losing five straight. The reality is if you put these guys on the floor, you're probably, you're probably taking a hit to your overall consistency and your overall performance. That's the reality. When you play rookies, there's not many rookies, particularly those late draftees or non-draftees that are able to impact a contending team in the first season. That's just, it's, that's just generally how it goes. So uh, I would love to see those guys stay around. I would love to see them get opportunities where they can. I think most importantly... Again, you just want to ensure that you keep them uh, with the franchise. The Bucks generally have a pretty good system with the Wisconsin Herd, which has been a, a successful team down in the G League. It's a shame this year that those guys aren't getting as many minutes as they probably would. But yeah, I, I'm excited about those guys. I, I hope that they, they stay here, but it's just the challenge of being a contending team uh, when you have uh, those types of players. Uh, Anil Saw says, am I crazy for thinking Brooke can still be very helpful to this team? A lot of people seem pretty against him lately. I think we can try some things to enhance his impact. I think more post-ups, specifically in non-Yanis lineups, could help the bench offense. So, Anil, I, I probably apologize. I, I stole your thunder a little bit there with my uh, Brook Lopez segments uh, earlier here, but I, I generally agree with that sentiment there. So we'll see what happens with Brook Lopez, um, but hopefully... Uh, hopefully uh, he continues to play at uh, a high level and we get a bit more Brook positivity there. Uh, Sly uh, at Articulo underscore 34 on Twitter, a very active user. I always enjoy uh, talking uh, with, with this guy and he says some of his likes, Giannis shooting from everywhere, the nasty energy, Portis overall efficiency and effort on defense and using Giannis and Chris in the pick and roll. Uh, I'll just say this on... Bobby Portis, and this was something that I, I believe Frank and myself and, and Eric and Dean and, and Mitchell were talking about in our DM. The one thing that I can't criticize either Bobby Portis or Bryn Forbes about is you're talking about two guys that came to the Bucks with question marks over what they were going to be able to do defensively, but I certainly cannot criticize them for the effort. I think they've been really fantastic in, in the way that they are trying to apply themselves. And, you know, I think they've been better than advertised. And again, this is one of those situations where if you put guys that have been on uh, not, uh, not contending teams, we'll say that because I don't want to say the Spurs were a bad team with Bryn Forbes, but if you put them next to bigger bodies, elite defenders that the Bucks do have, then you give them a chance to succeed. I still think we're going to see better results with Bobby Portis playing the five if they switch a little bit more. Uh, in those Giannis lineups, but we'll wait and see how uh, that all plays out as the season continues to roll on. Uh, Zach Nutson says, defensive rotations seem to be sharpening. Even DJ Augustine, who we've all been killing, getting there early to take a charge and be much more reliable on both ends recently. Yeah, I do think 
that DJ Augustine playing with the starters has helped him a little bit. And again, you know, we always talk about some of the, the bench lineups that we see. And if there was one complaint I was going to still have, uh, sometimes we see some pretty ordinary lineups. I think that that didn't help when Drew Holiday was, was out there. But, uh, you know, overall, he's going to look better if you can put him with those starting lineups. I think if you can avoid having a DJ Augustine Bryn Forbes backcourt with just the size issues, um, then you're going to be putting yourself in a better position. But overall, I would agree. I think the defense is trending in the right direction. And clearly, as Drew Holiday gets his win back, uh, that's only going to be better. And final one here from Drew says, dislike, national media moving the goalpost, ready to pounce on them after losses, then saying, who cares? It's the regular season after big wins. It's really interesting because I would say that most of the narrative around yesterday's game, there's a bit of, you know, Giannis is great. That's fine. We all know that. He was sensational. But a lot of it was, well, the Clippers need a point guard. And there was a lot of talk about uh, what we discussed on this show, that the Clippers really did go to isolation basketball down the stretch. I think that played into the favor of the Bucs. But it's interesting because the Clippers are kind of in a similar situation to the Bucs where no one really trusts them either outside of what they can do in the postseason. I think that everyone, every team is kind of in that boat. Utah is not really getting any respect. Denver certainly are struggling, but they're not getting any respect either. And if you look at the, the East, the Boston, these teams, the only teams that anyone really believes in is Brooklyn because of the superstar power that they have. And then the strange one to me is, is Philadelphia, although uh, I'm starting to see them even drop off a little bit with their kind of inconsistent play, particularly on the road. So I can understand why it's frustrating, but I also understand why it's the case. We've seen the Bucks have big regular season wins for the last two seasons, and ultimately it hasn't really mattered all that much. So uh, it's a great point you make, but I just think that uh, if you have any other expectations, then you're probably uh, going to be out a little bit there. So uh, I'm going to wrap it up there because I've been going for a while here on today's show, but hopefully uh, you guys have enjoyed that. As always, if you disagree with my thoughts on Brooke Lopez, if you disagree with my thoughts off the top with Drew Holiday and giving Bud a little bit of credit from time to time, then make sure you hit me up at Kane Pittman. Uh, Listen, I always say this, we don't have to agree. In fact, that's what makes the show. When you guys disagree with something I say, uh, then you can hit me up and we can discuss it further. So I appreciate all your input here. Bucks and Nuggets coming up later today, most likely, as you're listening to this show. But I appreciate all you guys. Stay safe out there. And I'll catch you guys post-game of the Denver game.